Hello, everyone. Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia. I'm one of the pastors on staff at Northview Community Church, and I am joined by three fantastic women around the table. I've got Crystal beside me. Yes, I'm Crystal Taves, pastor of women here at Northview Church. Tell us a little bit about your family. Um, Well, my husband and son are just on their way to New York this morning for a little grad trip. So I have one. My youngest son is in grade 12 and graduating, and so it's kind of become a family tradition Mm. to do a little either father-son or mother-daughter trip mm-hmm. as part of that. And then I have a daughter at uh, Columbia Bible College and one at, a son at UBC who's married. Him and his wife are both studying there. Neat. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jackie Graham. Yeah, I'm a, a counselor in this area, Abbotsford area, and um, I'm a m- member at Northview Community Church. I'm married to Trevor, and I have three kids. Luke is almost five. It's crazy. Uh, Rebecca is three, and Abigail is... Almost eight months. Yeah, just a little one one day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, I'm Erin, and I've been attending Northview for many, many years. Um, My husband's Kevin. He's an elder here, and we have three children ranging from 15 to 8. Wow, spring break for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were just on the island, you said. Yeah, I went to Vancouver Island for a couple of days. Had a little seashore therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Just by yourself or with the kids? I took the girls with me. Yeah. Two of our children. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That's neat. Saw some family over there. Okay. So our topic today is miscarriages. We believe as Christians all around the table and as members of Northview Community Church that life begins at conception. And so a miscarriage is the loss of a baby. And that's a very hard thing for many people. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about that today. We are talking, of course, from the uh, vantage point of being married. And these miscarriages happened to all of us while we were married and pregnant. And so we we will speak a little bit to people who are outside of that kind of situation, but that's where we're coming from. Yeah. And we know that not everyone listening to this podcast will have necessarily experienced that or really be interested in in the topic maybe, but uh, we just encourage you to keep to tune in and keep listening alongside us because you never know who in your neighborhood or your family or friends, ship circles will encounter this. And yeah. the better equipped we are to walk alongside people, the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Jackie, you're the one who really <laughs> wanted this topic, which is a yeah. good one. A few yeah. months ago, you said, could we please do one on miscarriages? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so tell us, why did you want to do this topic? Um, I think because, well, it was a foundational experience in my life in terms of how I viewed things, uh, which we'll talk about later. Um, But I think it's something that um, happens to a lot of women and we don't talk about it. Or when we do talk about it, um, it feels kind of awkward or scary. And sometimes there's shame that women feel in that. So they don't want to bring it up or people didn't know they were pregnant in the first place. So then it doesn't come out. And... um, oftentimes being able to experience healing in something like this, it helps to talk about it, it helps to be real. And um, what I was hoping for is that as we shared our stories and shared the experiences of other women that we've talked with, that we would be candid in how we talk, that we'd Mm -hmm. talk openly um, and that we would normalize a lot of the experiences that people feel. Because when I had it, I only knew one person who Hmm. had experienced one themselves who talked to me and I remember being able to go to her and say I'm feeling this and she's like oh I definitely felt that and I was like okay I'm not I'm not crazy crazy, right like this is normal and that was really helpful for me Mm -hmm. um, because then I didn't have to worry about what feelings I was having I just had to worry about you know walking through this journey so um, and the other thing is is that I think because we don't talk about it a lot 
Um, if we have a friend who's going through it and we haven't gone through something like this, we don't even know what to say True. or do. Mm-hmm. And so I was hoping that this would kind of be an opportunity to talk about things that you can do yourself if you're facing this um, as you pursue healing. Um, and then also give tools and tips for people who are coming alongside someone yeah. else who has experienced this. True. I think in general, we're not great at dealing with grief. No. Well, knowing how to walk alongside. We either give like really cheesy platitudes mm-hmm. or, or we don't say anything. We'll like talk it's like about this, those later. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But these crazy extremes, yeah. right? We either like totally Christianese it or else we don't even talk about it. Yeah. So or there has avoid. to be a better. That's what I mean. Like avoiding that yeah. or avoid that person or the There's topic. This, yeah. I don't, I don't know why this is with grief, but sometimes yeah. it's almost like if we're near them, it's going to happen to us too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to be near them. I don't want to think about it, mm-hmm. um, which can be really isolating. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And don't yeah. wreck my happiness with your tears. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible. Well, I know. That. Yeah, it's true. Okay, Erin, you wanted to be on this podcast. You were <laughs> desperate to be here. Why? Well, I've often for years been thinking this would be a great topic as well. And um, my husband and I have walked through this. We have had four miscarriages. We have three children and four miscarriages. Yeah. Um, so we've, <clears throat> we've had a number of different experiences with it. Yeah. Good. It's dear okay. to my heart. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. We're going to get into that in a moment. But first, Jackie, give us a little bit about the stats and the common experience about this. Yeah, some people might know this, but it's actually really common. You know, about 20 to 25 percent of pregnancies end up in miscarriage. Um, and so that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, primarily, it happens before 12 weeks. It's a lot more rare to have it post 12 weeks um, pregnancy. Um, and sometimes I think we know more about them now because we find out we're pregnant so much right, earlier. Whereas right. people in the past, like my grandma's um, generation, they didn't know about them necessarily. They may be guessed, but we know often. Yeah. And so what knowing also causes us to experience the grief or different reactions more frequently mm. as well. Yeah. Mm. So we're going to walk through this topic in four different areas. We're going to tell a little bit of our stories, all of us, in each area. So the first area we're going to talk about is physical. What were the physical situations surrounding the miscarriage? Then emotional. How did it affect us each emotionally? Socially is the next one. And then lastly, spiritually. Now, after we've done those four categories, then we're going to talk about how to walk alongside others and how to help yourself and some resources at the end. So let's go a little bit into our stories. Why don't we talk about the physical first? Um, Crystal, yours is a little different, so why don't you start? Well, I've had two experiences um, with this kind of topic of loss, I guess, in pregnancy. So the first was between my first and second kids. Um, I had an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. so a tubal. And mm-hmm. so that was very early on. I had just found out that I was pregnant and then went into horrible pain and like wow. just excruciating. And I went back to the hospital a couple of times because I couldn't figure out why. They first thought I had a miscarriage mm. and then I still had so much pain and then I went back and then they did an ultrasound and then I had to get surgery and stuff. So that was my first one. And then the second uh, experience with it was um, my youngest son, Trevor, who's just on his way to New York. He was actually a twin. Mm. And so we found out about 10 weeks after that ectopic pregnancy, every time I was pregnant after they did a super early ultrasound just to make sure that it, everything was good. And so we found out really early that I had twins. And then about 18 weeks along, we found out that there was a problem with one. He wasn't growing properly. And so then we had about 20 weeks of uncertainty of not knowing whether this twin would live or not. And he ended Mm. up passing away. And so then had to give birth to the stillborn Mm. baby and carry Trevor another 20 days after that. And it was a whole bunch that I can't get into. But that was the kind of experience of pregnancy Mm. loss that I had. It will help us if you hear a little bit of our stories and if you connect particularly with one person, you're welcome to get in touch with us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Jackie. Um, We had just 
barely decided to try having kids. My husband was ready a long time before I was because I was in school doing my master's. And um, but we decided, OK, we're going to try. And we got pregnant on our first try, which was really exciting. Um, and we knew really early because I was feeling uncomfortable and the doctor just found out. So we knew from like I think I was three and a half weeks pregnant. Um, but it was around six ish weeks that I started spotting. And so, of course, I was really stressed didn't want that to happen you're just praying like please god don't make this don't let this happen and long story short i ended up um having really bad cramping one morning and went to the hospital and i think sometimes where you're having the experience can really impact how Mm -hmm. it affects you um because i was in the waiting room and i told them i think i'm miscarrying and they told me to wait and i ended up miscarrying the baby in the bathroom Uh by myself I didn't know like it felt like I was in labor pains and it was it was really traumatizing for Mm. me because I was all by myself and Mm. I didn't know what was happening really and um yeah so it was I I wasn't that far along but it had it still had a massive impact on on how Mm -hmm. I felt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay Aaron so um three of my miscarriages have taken place when we were working overseas in a developing country so there was additional complications physically with that because I actually need a blood product that's not available there and I had to basically black market that product (laughs) to Madagascar every time (laughs) because BC Med would never release the product to me. Um, So that was always complicating. Um, The first one was quite early on and uh, I had the privilege of having a midwife there or not midwife but a OB who treated everything with an ultrasound. Hmm. So we knew everything all the time. If, If someone had gallstones she did it with her ultrasound right away. Um, anyways, we I always saw and knew right away. And the first one, I just I, I found out I was pregnant on a little test. And then three days later, I was in her office and found out that it wasn't viable. And so that one was just a kind of, we'd did, just gotten our heads around the idea that we were even pregnant. Did you have children at this point? I already had one child. Okay. Yes. And then, so that was an early one. And really, it wasn't physically uncomfortable for me, that one. Second one was... Um, a little further along, had a little more hopes and dreams invested in it. Um, And this now I had two children at this point, but we had this dream of three. Yes. And, uh, and yeah, so that one was a little bit more physically painful. My third one was really hard on me. And uh, I had a DNC for that one is a little later. It's more complicated and expelling, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so Uh, um, that one painful. Yeah. And so then, excuse me, because of where we were living, the closest location where I could have a safe DNC was actually in a different country. So I was flown mm. there on medical insurance and had surgery in a French speaking country, oh boy. which was not easy. I learned that day that when my contact lenses are out, I can't understand what anyone says in French because I can't <laughs> read their lips. So <laughs> it was actually a terrifying experience. I felt very alone that day and yeah. felt physically yeah. really shivery and yeah. like just scared to, Mm. Yeah. Yucky. Mm-hmm. And then um, our last one was when we were back in Canada. And physically, that one was actually quite painful. Mm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. It was more depressing than painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into the emotions we'll in a second. Later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll do a round. Uh, Mark and I had um, always wanted to have kids when we got married, but, you know, never really felt that desire for kids, that nurturing, mm-hmm. ooey, gushy mm-hmm. kind of like we want kids feeling. We just made that logical, planned decision when I was in my late 20s. And so, yeah, getting pregnant was easy. And it 
seemed, as far as I knew, because this was my first time, that it was all fine. So we waited the 12 weeks to tell family, and that was exciting. And then at 14 weeks, I started to bleed. Mm. And wow, I had no idea that there could be so much blood. And Mm. it was terrifying. I'd not been involved with hospitals for, I'd never had a break or stitches or anything. Uh So this was really scary. Like we've all mentioned, this was scary. And needed the DNC and surgery and all that kind of thing. And um, yeah, it was painful, uncomfortable. It was just traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the physical piece for all of us. Anything else we should add in physically for other people you've known? Hmm. Nothing? Okay. I, what a- yeah, I have one friend and every single one of her, she's had a number of miscarriages. Every single one has landed her in the hospital in just serious pain yeah. as if giving birth mm-hmm. yeah. when yeah. it's um, even just quite an early pregnancy. Yeah. Just painful. I think one thing I should mention physically about my story is that um, I delivered this baby in the in the hospital in the emergency room. And what's interesting is they showed me the baby. The doctor had this baby oh. in the, the palm of their hand, the size of a toonie, fully formed. You couldn't tell the gender at that point. Oh. But you could see it was a perfect little person. And I remember in the midst of all of the trauma of this scary experience going, wow, mm-hmm. and being just in Mm -hmm. awe that God could create. Mm -hmm. The baby had died at 11 weeks. I didn't know that. And I miscarried at 14. So it was an 11-week-old little baby, little fetus as they call it, but perfectly formed. It was uh, just incredibly altering Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Okay, let's move into the emotional effect. Again, probably have very different stories for all of us, and let's chime into with maybe some of the friends Mm -hmm. you know as well. Okay, let's go Crystal. Yeah, I think it's... For me, um, there was a range, right? For my first one, the ectopic, I had just gotten, same with you, Erin, I had just kind of gotten used to the idea that I was pregnant and it was sooner than I expected. And then all of a sudden I went into a lot of pain um, of the cramping and everything and the surgery. And so it was almost a relief, <laughs> like when it was all over with, like I didn't have a lot of grief around it. Um, and then a number of people came up to me later and said, oh, this must be so, you must mm-hmm. be just in so much grief. And I was like, well, I'm not really. And does, does that mean I didn't love the baby no. or like, yeah. you know, it was yeah. a little bit of a guilt thing. Um, and but then with my second, um, with the loss of the twin, I mean that took me a long time yeah. to get over. And I think even a couple of years after the first time I shared it publicly, I was just shaking. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. as I shared mm-hmm. the story, and the first time I had a friend that called that was in the midst of a difficult pregnancy, and she wanted she knew I'd walked through it before, mm-hmm. and like I yeah, that even her phone the phone call with her brought back yeah. so mm-hmm. much memories and mm-hmm. so much yeah. um, emotional upheaval with it that yeah. So I think there's an ex- there's a range yeah. that you go through. And I know for my husband, it was different than me. And so that's even yeah. part of it is understanding that different people walking alongside you are going to have different emotional yeah. responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no situations. one mm-hmm. way. No. That's really important that we get across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay, Jackie. Um, yeah, I think it's, th- like you said, there's a wide range. And for me, it was really traumatic and filled with grief for me like it was about seven years ago now and even as I was like like Thalia said this is something that I really wanted to do for a podcast and as I was writing my notes like I could feel my not necessarily my anxiety but like the emotions inside of me building up and they're still there um and I went through a lot of the stages of grief like when I first started spotting it was you know your denial oh no this isn't gonna happen everything's gonna be fine you know you pretend like it's not oh, this is just normal, right? Mm -hmm. And then the bargaining where it was like, okay, God, please don't let this happen. Like, we're so excited. We, you know, we desperately want this baby. Like, please don't let anything happen. Um, And then, you know, going through anger and 
I think that's that's the one that really surprised me because mm-hmm. I wasn't I didn't think of myself as an angry person growing up. Like you'd get angry, but not where you were like yeah. really that would hold on to you for a no, long time. No, yeah. and the only Darkness. way I could describe it was like full on rage. Yeah. Like it was like something would come up or that thought of like mm-hmm. I should I should be pregnant. I should be having this baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and it would just be like it would well up inside of me and I didn't know what to do with it yeah. because this wasn't normal and I remember Yeah, and I remember one time driving home from an event um with my husband and we had gotten into something disagreement or whatever and it built in me and I and I didn't normally do this, but and I feel bad saying it. But like, I started screaming in the car because yeah. I was just like, "This is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. This is not supposed to be happening to me." And yeah. you know, he's kind of looking at me like, "What's happened <laughs> to my wife?" Right? But I just I didn't know what to do with it, and mm-hmm. I and it was so strong, and I was angry at God, and I was mm-hmm. angry at the situation, and I was angry at myself because I felt like this is my body; it's supposed to do what it's supposed, it's supposed to, to do, work. and it right. betrayed me. Yeah. Yes, right. And it was just like, and then you feel shame. Like, is this something that? Like, what's wrong with me? Why couldn't... I, I'm a woman. I'm supposed to be able to get pregnant and have a baby. And it's it didn't work, right? Yeah. And there's so many conflicting emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Erin? Um, we often refer to our story as a roller coaster ride. And yeah. because we it went on for a number of years. And it's always complicated by the fact that we lived in this foreign land. And so as soon as you think you're pregnant then you're calculating okay now what month do I need to go Mm -hmm. back to Canada yeah because it was kind of assumed at that point that I would return to Canada um to have the babies and so it was always this calculating (laughs) okay so that means probably April I need to go and then a loss so by the time we would be only a week or two into a pregnancy we've already made a lot of calculations and, Mm -hmm. and planning and then your heart just gets so attached to something that you cannot see yeah it's just Mm -hmm. your heart is there it's that that is mine Mm -hmm. that's mine I own that yeah (laughs) and um and and that attachment when it's lost is Mm -hmm. is really hard it just breaks your heart yeah weeping like Mm -hmm. I haven't wept in a long like I don't know if ever just sobbing ugly tears I know. <laughs> Can I add a piece to your story, Erin? Hmm. Uh, last month, I was with the elders when they had their meeting, and they always break to have a time of prayer for mm-hmm. about an hour with congregants. And so they have a group of congregants that come in, and they want prayer for their health or their marriages or whatever. In this case, I was with Kevin's group, and a group hmm. came, a couple came oh, in. Yeah, and they had uh, suffered a miscarriage, and they were grieving the loss. And Kevin was emotional. Mm-hmm. And that was really neat to see a husband that still yeah. years later could feel the grief of Absolutely. your losses and was relating to this couple. And they mm-hmm. really appreciated having someone who understood them. Mm-hmm. I would, I mean, you probably heard when I started saying that, I said, we call this our roller coaster. Yeah. Like it's ours. That's what he together. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, um, he felt it maybe not each single time, mm-hmm. but he felt them deeply as well. Yeah. Um, m- number three was, rocked me like I I was so so devastated I don't know why that one was particularly so hard for me maybe I thought that was the last one I could endure I don't know Mm -hmm. I we hadn't expected the fourth one to happen I wasn't even gonna get ever get pregnant again that was kind of my standpoint but then when number the fourth one happened he it rocked him Mm -hmm. he thought that when we came back to Canada and we were in a safe place, right. and mm-hmm. yeah. and now we have grandparents around, and they can look after the other kids, all that stuff. We just thought 
he thought it was going to work this time. Yeah. I would have better medical care. All the complications were gone. Yeah. And and then that one didn't work either. And it just it threw him for a real loop. So yeah. like it really different ones affected us differently. Mm-hmm. And we but it was our journey yeah. together. Yeah. I my story would relate very much to Jackie's. And then I was very, very angry with God. These were my plans, and I thought this was a really good time in my life to have uh, a baby, and we had made that mm-hmm. decision, Mark and I, and so I was really angry with him for wrecking my plans. So that's a little bit more than maybe the spiritual component, but the emotional side is I was really angry at this God's, uh, it was God in control or not was my question, and I was really jealous of my friends that were at that time also pregnant or having babies and all that kind of thing. I was so, so jealous. Mm -hmm. Never mind the scary experience in the hospital, absolutely. But jealousy and that lack of control was my main two emotional experiences Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, I had, um, at the same time that I was pregnant with my twins, uh, one of one of my friends was pregnant with twins too. Oh. And uh-huh. actually another one, another friend a couple years later. And so as much as I was happy for both of them, full term, both babies lived and stuff. And yeah. as much as I was happy for them, like I didn't mm-hmm. wish anything ill on them. No. Every time I would see them, it was just this other wow. reminder of yeah. one of mine didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so it's hard to walk through that and like when scripture tells us to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who mm-hmm. rejoice. Yeah. When I've talked about that in women's groups and stuff, I think we're it's easier for us to mourn with those who mourn, but rejoicing yeah. with those who rejoice requires us to recognize that our lives might be different than somebody else's yeah. mm-hmm. and that we still have to yeah. rejoice with them, even though God has us on a different path. Yeah. And that can be so hard yeah. to just re- sit in God's sovereignty and say, you know, this wasn't my story, but it is their story and yeah. I still want to rejoice with them. So, Crystal, you're already getting into the social part. Tell us a little bit more about how it affected your friendships and your family. How did it affect you socially? Um, well, for a while, I just kind of wanted to hunker down and just be with mm-hmm. the people closest mm-hmm. to me. I yeah. had a woman actually when I was in the hospital um, who had just similarly experienced a sim- a th- something the same as what I was going through. And she talked to my nurse and she said, I'm happy to walk through this with Crystal if she wants to. And I just was like, no, I don't want mm-hmm. to talk to anybody mm-hmm. about it. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I will talk to my husband and my kids and my mom and dad and maybe a few close friends that I've walked through, but I don't want to talk to some stranger, even though they've gone through yeah. it. Yeah. And so it was like, I was just like a hunker. <laughs> like, yeah. I, this is my <laughs> little in. circle and yeah. this is all I'm going to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. And it was later on where I could start to, you know, actually engage with that dialogue yeah. with people who weren't on my immediate family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jackie. Um, I had that isolating feeling too, where I just didn't, I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want them to see my vulnerability. Like I think yeah. people, people have always seen me as a strong person and I was not, I did not feel strong at no. that moment and I felt very vulnerable and, um, I didn't want to share that with anybody that I didn't totally trust. Um, and then I also, I avoided people who had babies or I couldn't, I couldn't get excited about what they were going through. Yeah. Like I remember I was... I think for us, it accentuated the loss of the miscarriage because then we couldn't get pregnant again. Right. And we went a year and a half before we got pregnant again. And it went, it was like, are we ever going to get mm-hmm. pregnant again? Uh-huh. And so there's a whole bunch of fear associated uh-huh. with that. And and that was your first pregnancy, correct? Mm-hmm. So, that so you didn't know if there's it ever that happened. whole title yeah. of mom right. that was at, at stake. Right. Which, and I remember... Like, for me, that wasn't an issue. But right. I, I've seen other people when it's their first, it's like that's, mm-hmm. that identity piece is completely... Really well, you don't have a guarantee completely. that you'll have a child. Like, no. Because it was my first pregnancy, too. People say, well, you're young, you'll get pregnant again. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, know? I have no guarantee. Like, <laughs> yeah. there is no guarantee. I think this that's could what made be me a so sign mad. that I'm never going to yeah. have one. Yeah. yeah. 
And if you haven't, if people don't know that you've experienced a miscarriage or that you're trying, people are like, oh, are you thinking of having children? (laughs) Totally, the pressure. When are you going to start? Like, I remember volunteering in the nursery and one of the dads came in and he's like, oh, you're great with the kids. You should really have kids of your own. (laughs) And I was like, I'm trying, right? Like, but they don't know that. And And you don't want everyone to kind of know that you're trying either because that's just (laughs) awkward. (laughs) They're watching you. Is she pregnant now? Yeah. And what are you doing at home? And why aren't you with your husband now? Yeah. No, just be quiet. Yeah. Well, that's what they're thinking. Yeah. yeah, you guys are all looking at me weird. So but I, went, I remember I went on a girls' weekend. Uh, it was about a oh maybe six seven months after I had had the miscarriage, and one of my friends brought along their baby because she was still nursing, and I think she was like seven or eight months old. And I'm I just actually we were close enough that I could say you know I'm sorry that I'm I'm not gonna pick up your baby and yeah. I'm not gonna in, I'm having a hard time interacting with her and having her around like I'm happy for you but it just it hurts. So seeing bad. this child because yeah. I I sh- should have been yes big and pregnant at this point and yeah. I'm not and yeah. so that was hard on my relationships to yes. some extent. Okay, Aaron. Um, I, not not so much negative actually for the most part, especially in our years in Madagascar because the one of the other ladies that is very very good friends with she was also part of the contraband medicine <laughs> group <laughs> and so she was actually my smuggler because she needed it as well and she was also somebody who was prone to miscarriage mm-hmm. and um, so we were terribly close on that topic so mm-hmm. we kind yeah. of knew where each other was at mm-hmm. a lot of times you kept tabs so, on yeah, each other yeah. so if one of us had a loss I mean the other one knew within days because she would be saying mm. to me I used one of the products <laughs> <laughs> and I mean in tears yeah, she would right. be saying that and then we just knew and so we could bear that burden with each yeah. other mm-hmm. and that was great and also because we had a really close knit missionary community I mean just people could see if you were struggling or not struggling and yeah. come around and really support like seriously the body of Christ just oof, yeah. right there all those years that we were there that's what it felt like Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I think when I actually felt it a lot when I was in the hospital with our final pregnancy, which is our joyful, wonderful child who's eight years old right now. Um, We had some complications with that pregnancy too. And people would look at me funny like, this is your seventh pregnancy and you only have two live? Hmm. And and the, wow. like nurses, honestly, yeah. looking at me like I must be a crazy woman. And then I started thinking maybe I was crazy. Oh, Like mm. we've done this way too many times. I guess that's what the world thinks of us. We've, we've huh. like we've done something to ourselves. Like we should have huh. stopped. I guess we should have stopped. And oh, I, weird. Oh, I really, yeah. interesting. I yeah. felt really troubled in hmm. my and heart. So there were lots of judgment yeah. by medical people, yeah. of huh. all people. Mm-hmm. But socially, I didn't, I didn't feel very isolated. I'm, I just can't stay away from people. Okay. Fair. <laughs> well, it's nice that people were there and could hear you and yeah. Yeah. be what you needed in that moment mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, socially, nobody in my circles of friends or extended family had ever had a miscarriage or I, that I knew about. So I was completely the first and had nobody to ask anything about. Mm-hmm. So I felt very isolated. And three of my very good friends at the time were pregnant and big pregnant. Mm. And so I was horrible. I was so jealous that I essentially cut off their friendship. Like I just had mm-hmm. nothing to do with them. And, you know, those friendships haven't recovered, unfortunately. Um, wow. Because of my behavior. Yeah. I wasn't like, I wasn't outwardly mean. I was just grieving. And so mm-hmm. I was distant. I just basically just made every excuse not to get together. Mm-hmm. And our lives went mm-hmm. separate ways. We weren't living in the same town anyways. And so it kind of made it easier. But it wasn't good. I regret that. I regret that I was so jealous and so angry and so hurt that I 
closed people out hmm. for a long time. I, I just had no resources, no people who had walked this through with me. Like what's a long time? I'm, I'm just yeah, kidding. I don't know. It felt like a long time. It might have been, well, we were new in Abbotsford, so I was making new okay. friends. Mm. And so the new friends I made were at the same stages as I was. Okay. But these pa- these friends from other cities were my closer friends because I'd come from Vancouver. Mm. And so, yeah, my jealousy really impacted my relationships. And I wish it hadn't been, I wish I hadn't been that way. I wish I'd had somebody to kick my butt mm. a little bit <laughs> and say, come on, like, I'll, I'll listen to you. I'll grieve with you. I'll pray with you. But come on, get back in relationship with people. But I didn't have anybody doing that for me. Mm. And we were new in Abbotsford, so I didn't know anybody here. So, yeah, I think we can be our own kind of worst enemies socially. And I was, and I was, and I regret that. But, yeah, what can you do? You learn. Yeah. You say, sorry, God, and sorry, people, and keep going. That's also a tip for friends, though, who Mm -hmm. maybe if you've never experienced a miscarriage and you're pregnant and you're really excited and your friend goes through something like that, having a lot of compassion and asking them to talk about it, maybe. Or, like, I know we're going to get into some of that helping Mm -hmm. stuff later, but... um, yeah, there's a role that friends can take too. Yeah. Okay, let's walk into the spiritual quickly. We're getting close to the half hour mark, but we don't want to miss this. This is a really <laughs> no, important no, part. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for me, um, as I walked through this whole thing, like uh, especially the, the loss of the twin, I had lots of spiritual support. I had people praying for me. I had the church community behind me. People knew that I was going through it because I was so far along already and they'd already yeah. known that I was pregnant with twins. So it wasn't a secret thing. And so I think intellectually even, I felt like, yeah, I know people are with me. I know God. I know this isn't punishment. And intellectually, I was okay. But my emotions still were so hard. And yeah. I remember standing in church it's like for weeks after, and I would stand up to sing, and I couldn't sing. I just would nope. be crying and crying and yeah. crying. And even though my mind was okay, I wasn't like, at that point, I got through some of that mental pieces. Yeah. But I just emotionally couldn't trust myself to God. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was just this mm-hmm. feeling like it. I was closed off, for, like or whatever, just feeling raw mm-hmm. emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And spiritually. Okay, Jackie. Um, This was a major turning point for me in my faith. Like Mm -hmm. when, you know, when you look at your life and you think of big points where God has made an impact or you've made choices in your spiritual walk, this was a huge one for me because um, I I am a controlling person. (laughs) I admit I'm a controlling person. Um, No, but I struggle with control. and And part of it goes back, like I lost my dad when I was nine. And so the world didn't really feel safe. And I, I knew I loved God, but I didn't know if I could totally trust him. And so I wanted to control pieces in my life. And so if I look at my life, he's taken things sometimes or allowed things to happen where I realize I don't have control. And yeah. this was one of those pieces. And I was really angry with God. Like when you look in the Bible and you look at how Jacob wrestled with with the angel and, and he fought with him, right, to give him his blessing. But I felt like I was wrestling with God yeah. continuously. And it honestly, it probably, it felt like a year and a half before I... I was able to work through that um, because I just didn't feel like it was fair. And I was like, I was like, why are you doing this? Like I've already had stuff happen in my life. Like, do I need something else? Right. Yeah. Not that I have the corner on grief. People have experienced mm, yeah. much more than me, but, um, but those feelings that's where, are I, that's where yeah. I was at. And, um, and I think what it came down to is I, I really had to cling on to the character of God. Do I trust that God is good? Yeah. in this do yeah. i do i believe that he has purpose in it and I, and it really helped that my husband um he was so sure about that like i was struggling but he was like it's going to be okay Jackie god's god's got this figured out and we're going to you know he's going to take care of it and he actually 
it's crazy, but the day before I miscarried, so we knew that something was happening, but we were praying it wouldn't happen. We went out for lunch and he sat across the table from me and he said, Jackie, I believe God is telling me that we're going to lose this baby, hmm. but we're going to be okay. And, and he held my hand and I was just like, no, this isn't going to happen. We're going to be fine. This isn't going to happen. Right. And then it happened the next morning. And, um, but I had to learn how to cling to that, that sense of God's purpose is bigger than mine and he is good and mm-hmm. trustworthy. And it's okay if I can't hold everything together because he can hold everything together. Yeah. But it took a long time Aaron, to wrestle through that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Aaron. Before you jump in, Aaron, let me just go in because yeah. mine is exactly the yeah. same as Jackie's. And I echo what you said. The biggest part for me was the wrestling with God. It was months of blackness and mm-hmm. wrestling. And are you in control or am I in control? Mm-hmm. Are you the master and I am the servant? Mm-hmm. Are you the creator and I'm the created? Do I submit? Because mm-hmm. I didn't like yep. his plans. Yep. And that was really, really hard. And it was hard again when we were pregnant with our son, our second one, because he came sooner than we expected. I was pregnant sooner. And that was, again, a different way of like, what? It's not my plan. (laughs) I realize I have plans and they should go a certain way. So, yeah. That I was think a huge part The good thing in all those stories is that you're wrestling with God, not running away from God. Yeah. And I think that's when we see in scripture, that's like God doesn't mind if we wrestle and ask hard questions and work through things. It's, it's when we sh- shut ourselves off mm-hmm. and walk away Absolutely. and say, mm-hmm. forget it. I don't want anything to do with you that he, that we are distancing ourselves, but the wrestling is good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah now looking back, it is good, but it was really it's hard, hard, but yeah. it's, it's a good exercise. Yeah. Of, yeah. Okay. Aaron. Your yeah. Turn. I don't have a lot to add to that. I, I, I think my experiences were similar or maybe even a little bit a less mixture. intense mm-hmm. spiritually. So, yeah, you've okay. said it all. <laughs> okay, so how do we walk alongside other people who are experiencing this, or how do we help ourselves? Mm-hmm. Let's go around the table again and just chime in with a couple of things that you think of, Crystal. <clears throat> well, for myself, I just knew I needed time, and I also needed to let myself express my emotions. And so, especially because, like with my Arthur, the twin, um, I had a four-year-old and a two-year-old who had walked through this journey with me, like Clayton and Tre- uh, Clayton and Jess were four and two, and they had come into the hospital. They had seen the stillborn baby Alex, because mm-hmm. like, we spent a night mm-hmm. with him after he was passed away. And wow. so, so as four and two-year-olds, they were constantly talking about it because this was a big thing in their mm-hmm. world, right? Oh, yeah. They like yeah. we just lost the baby brother, and and so I had to tell every teacher like, okay, this is going to come up. They're going to write essays about this Mm -hmm. and draw pictures about this. And so, but the fact that they continually brought it up Mm -hmm. was horrible, but also healing because I couldn't just shove it in some corner Mm -hmm. because they wanted to talk about it every day. And so I think just allowing that to be okay, like just as I would drive down, they'd be talking about it in the van and I'd be crying in the van, but allowing yourself just to work through that emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, For others, now when I encounter other people, I I try to... um, just kind of float it out there when I know something's happened. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of gauge their response. Like I have one friend who I said, um, you know, I'm really sorry you walked through this. And she said, I don't want to talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Like I do not want to have to, you don't have to bring this up mm-hmm. at this moment. And I'm totally fine. But I wanted to hear to at least know that I, it wasn't a taboo subject for me mm-hmm. and I'm open to talking about it. And so I think that would be my advice to people yeah. just to kind of put a little, um, like a fishing, fishing rod <laughs> lure yeah, out there and mm-hmm. say, if you want to talk about it, I'm here. But if you don't, no pressure. Um, so that would be my advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jackie. I'm going to tag a little bit off of what you were saying about emotions, because I think sometimes we feel like certain emotions we're allowed to have and certain yeah. emotions we're not allowed to have. Yeah. Especially as Christians sometimes, like I can be sad that this has happened or afraid if it's going to happen again or, but I'm not supposed to be angry. Yeah. Right. And emotions in of themselves aren't bad. They tell us something, right? Anger tells us this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And death isn't the way it's supposed to be, yeah. right? This is be a no. result of sin. So the fact that 
um, that we are angry makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's what we do with our emotions. And yeah. I think um, I, I think sometimes we are scared to go to God with those emotions mm-hmm. because we feel like, oh, he might not like those, yeah. right? Or I'm not <laughs> supposed to, but God's not scared of the way no. that we feel. He made us. He made us with emotions. Like if you look at the Psalms and David, he had all sorts of emotions that he he railed at God for things and yeah. God wasn't scared of that. Um, we just need to be willing to then look into what does God say about this? Like, like choose to wrestle with him. Don't mm-hmm. just scream at him and run away. Like yeah. we said earlier, yeah. um, cause he's not afraid of it. And he gives us so many promises in his word to, that he's going to be with us, that, that his purposes are good. Like, and, um, and choosing to believe those in the midst of, of the struggle. And yeah. it makes us mm-hmm. kind of long for heaven too, mm-hmm. right? Like for when yeah. the, this right. pain will be gone and there will be all yeah. perfect restoration. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in addition is that, um, I think, and I know you said this too, Crystal, but that sense of um, allowing grief to happen. I think sometimes we think, oh, I, I can't feel this right now. Or I don't want to feel this right now. And we just shove it down and ignore it. But it doesn't go away until we talk about it or until we deal with it. Like we, we have to give it room and grief doesn't care about the time it is or the place that you're at or who you're with it just it comes when it's going to come right Mm -hmm. and and giving it space and being real with it and um yeah allowing yourself to experience that yeah the fishing line is so great because there's some people that just need to talk and Mm -hmm. often people shy away from people who are grieving because they're not sure what to say or how to engage and they've heard a million times don't say platitudes don't don't say stupid things to people who are in grief. And so people are like, well, I don't know what to say because it might be the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. they stay way away. Yeah. And some people need, just we just need you to talk, let me talk. Yeah. So I think the fishing line, like you said, is such a good idea to just drop that out there so people know who they can talk to that feels okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if yeah. you don't know what to say, just say, I'm so sorry that you oh, lost yeah. your baby. Yeah. Or... I'm so sorry that you walked through this. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, that's all you have to say, and then zip your lips and listen. Mm-hmm. Some people find it helpful to have a like some kind of a memorial mm-hmm. of some kind, mm-hmm. whether that's when we often don't get to see the baby or yeah. or bury a baby. Yeah, and there maybe that's just a little bit hard for some. Yeah. So there's, mm-hmm. I know some people who have gotten a piece of jewelry that mm-hmm. they just wear, and it's close to their heart all the time. Or um, a tattoo yeah, or a got a tattoo. we we had a wall hanging for quite a while that was kind of memorializing yeah <laughs> however you say that word mm-hmm. um those losses yeah yeah we have a little um they did a plaster cast of the baby's foot oh. yeah. mm. and so we have four all of our kids and then the one like alex's little foot. foot yeah mm. yeah but it's a beautiful thing like beautiful. it's in our front entryway yeah. as a reminder of the four of them mm-hmm. yeah i had a co-worker write me a card and inside the card, uh, she wasn't a Christian, but she wrote about how she was so sorry for the loss of the baby. And she wrote a little bit of her experience and how she understood my pain and grief and suffering. And I kept that card in my Bible for years. Mm-hmm. I think I still have that card somewhere. It meant so much to me that somebody, because I said nobody that I knew had had a miscarriage. So here was a coworker I didn't even know well. I, I only knew her name. And she mm-hmm. wrote me this card. The other thing that was helpful for me is uh, Mark listened to me over and over and yeah. over again. Mm-hmm. And my parents took me for a walk on the seawall. And that's like, what, seven or 10 kilometers? <laughs> yeah. And they just listened to me vent. Um, I, I just think now of the spew that I must have just <laughs> said. And they listened to me and they didn't, you know, reprimand me for being angry with God or jealous. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. listened. And I think we need that spew, like the pus of a wound mm-hmm. to get out before yeah. you can actually start the healing. Mm-hmm. And so those were some very helpful things. 
And I just, when we were preparing for this, I thought a lot about in a marriage, mm-hmm. how this how this works itself out. Often it's early in a person's marriage because mm-hmm. you're young and you're having your babies kind of in those first five-ish, ten mm-hmm. years, years. Sometimes marriages aren't terribly, terribly strong yet at that mm-hmm. point. I've walked through a lot of things. And so like, I would just really encourage anyone who's listening who's walking through this and they have a marriage that they would lean on each other yeah. and allow this mm-hmm. to be a, a growth point, yeah. not to run away from each other, be angry with each other's emotions, to yeah. give each other space to grieve differently. Like mm-hmm. we just, Kevin and I grieved very differently. Yeah. And and we needed to give each other the space for that. And there were times when we had to make an understanding, like, I can't talk about this right now. You might need to get someone else to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. Or other times where we had to say, please, will you just listen? I have yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, and and to physical touch right too, yes. like just that there's only like one person who can just really hold you and touch you mm-hmm. in that way. And to allow that kind of comfort to happen too is hard, yeah. but it's necessary too. One other thing you might not be expecting is that like after our miscarriage, then when I did get pregnant uh, quite a while later with Ava, our daughter, I actually was really scared in that first part mm, of that pregnancy. Yeah. And I actually yeah, didn't totally. attach to her or even really think too much about the pregnancy. I didn't mm-hmm. want to actually go through that pain again. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't sure she would continue that pregnancy yeah. would continue. So I didn't really actually sort of start to connect with her till well after we were past the 14 week mark. Like it was well after that. So that might be something too, that if you don't really feel like you're really excited about your next, next pregnancy, pregnancy. Whatever, like that's pretty normal too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Totally. Any other bits to add in before we give a couple resources? Um, I think when you're walking alongside someone else, a couple of things to think about are don't compare yeah. your loss with theirs. Not that your loss isn't valid, because it is, but allowing space for them to explain what it's like. Yeah. Like coming along and saying, oh, I lost my grandma and that I can understand mm-hmm. how you're feeling. It's like, I understand that the loss of your grandma was painful. Completely. But it's different than the loss that they're experiencing. Just like the miscarriage that I experienced is a different loss than what Aaron might have experienced. And so it's more, it's good to ask questions. How are you doing? You know, I'm guessing you're feeling lousy right now or angry or whatever. Like, um, can you, can you tell me about it? Like I needed to talk about that baby. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl because it was really early. I felt like it was a girl. I named her (laughs) and it's a name I haven't shared with a lot of people other than family and stuff. But it was like I needed to know that she mattered to me and Mm -hmm. that God saw her. And and when people asked ask me about it, like I talk about it because it's healing for me to talk about. And if you're giving people space to do that and not trying to I know we're so worried about saying the wrong thing. um, But just if you ask questions, questions are Excellent. Yeah. Yep. Much better than telling them how you think they should be feeling. Yep. Or how um, you felt. Or how you felt, right? Yep. And yeah. So if you need resources, I mean, you can always come talk to the care pastors. You can talk to Jackie, mm-hmm. one of our Christian counselors. And yep. I have more counselors if you need. Um, Nancy Guthrie is a well-known Christian author and speaker, and she has suffered two baby losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knew in pregnancy that they would not survive very long past birth. And so she has written a number of books. Nancy Guthrie, when your family's lost a loved one, is particularly excellent. Mm. And she, they even hold like weekend retreats and stuff for yes. people that have gone through this. So yeah. if that is something you're interested in, I mean, they, yeah. they do that. Yeah. And there's an infertility group in town called Hearts of Hope that mm. is very good. Mm. Jackie, do you have other resources? You know, it's challenging to find resources with yeah. that. Those ones are good. It's it's. Okay. Yeah, finding someone who's walked through it can be really helpful. Coming to church, like yeah. sometimes it's hard coming to church after 
um, a loss, but coming here and being present, you know, you might run into someone who can walk with you or. Yeah. yeah. Even if you have to come late and cry through the service, mm-hmm. like Crystal said, and yeah. then leave early mm-hmm. for a few weeks, that's fine. Yeah. 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 Weeping through the songs. Weeping <laughs> through the book of Psalms. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. Just, yeah. Absolutely. There's somebody who else who's grieved and those Psalms just speak to your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Crystal, would you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. Father, we thank you that um, we keep returning to Psalm 139 in this podcast, but because it's so foundational for us that you know us, um, that you have knit all these babies together in our wombs, um, that you know them, and uh, even though they might not have lived life on this earth here, um, they were still part of your plan and sort of part of your purpose. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you are the author of life and the creator of life. Um, We thank you, Lord, that you have overcome this life, too, and you offer us eternal life. And so even though this world is not a perfect place, that we have the hope of heaven uh, to look forward to um, when all things will be new and created new. And so, Lord, we just pray for all the people who may be listening to this podcast who have experienced grief. Uh, Lord, we pray that they would be um, encouraged to wrestle with you in the midst of it, that they'd be encouraged um, just to express themselves to you, to know that you are a God who loves them, that even though this world is fallen and bad things happen within it, um, that you are not far and you're not distant, and you see and you hear and you know what your people are going through. And so, Lord, we just pray that this would be an encouragement for them to run to you and to run to others, and just to allow you um, to strengthen them in the midst of this grief. So, Lord, we thank you that there's nothing that's too big for you, and and nothing that you have not even experienced um, as you came on this earth. Uh, we know, uh, Father, that you had to suffer the loss of your own son as Jesus was die- died on the cross. And so, Lord, you know grief, you know pain, and you have created us all and know what's in our hearts. So we just pray that you'd lead and guide us um, as we walk every day with you in the midst of all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.